0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor and joining me is Wolford. Hey, Wolford. Okay, I suppose it's close enough. I
1: never expect to be remembered when I've left the room, so a a, a syllable in common is fine. But listen, rather than the whole name thing, could we not be talking about that other name that's changed? The way that we have now finally lost the 13-inch MacBook with function keys one of the most clumsily named products ever, and replaced it with a 13-inch MacBook with Touch Bar
0: and Touch ID. Also clumsily named, yes. Yeah, but there we go. The the 13-inch MacBook Pro with uh, function keys, as it's called, or sometimes referred to as the MacBook Escape. Oh, yes. Oh, I'd I'd forgotten I'd heard that. Yes. Right. It's got a real escape key. It's the MacBook Escape, and also it escapes you from the nightmare of having to use Touch ID for people who are not fans of Touch ID. Now, there's there's this bubble. There's this this insular community that believes that the Touch ID is not useful to anyone. Uh, well, well, and right, it's true. On.
1: I think you probably mean the touch bar. Because if you mean Touch ID, yeah. we're going to fight. I love Touch
0: well, ID. Uh, do you love it on your Mac, though? Do you use it a lot on your Mac? Uh, I've got a Mac Mini, so. Yeah, so you don't use it at all, therefore. No, Touch ID oh. is is great. And and Touch ID on phones was good. And Touch ID on uh, on MacBooks was similarly useful for logging in and for Apple Pay for the occasions where you have a site where you can actually pay with Apple Pay. It's actually Although, quite common
1: in the UK, but okay. Yes. Um,
0: oh, from, from web?
1: Yeah. I mean, it could just be a, a fluke of which sites I happen to use, but I see it quite a lot.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Okay. But so it was very useful for that. But you're saying, huh, who needs it? Yes?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm saying that, that the touch bar, some people love it. Some people don't. Many people who are very vocal do not. Some people, they, you know, it's, it's there's always people that you haven't talked to that do make use of a thing and are quiet about it because it's just there and they figure they're using it, Right. Yeah,
1: I've uh, mm-hmm. I happened to notice a friend using it a lot, and he had no idea that anybody wouldn't. So why would he have talked about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm. But that has now gone away. If you needed real function keys, buy last year's model
1: or MacBook Air.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could buy a MacBook Air, and the 13-inch MacBook Air is a pretty competent machine. Although there is some question about its performance under single core because it's a 1.4 gigahertz processor. Hmm. In fact, I've just,
1: as you recall this, I've just written a comparison between the Air and the MacBook Pro, the 13-inch the models of each. And on paper, the MacBook Pro wins everywhere, but the Air has a lot going for it, you know? Hmm.
0: Well, the Air has a lot going for it, especially in terms of size and weight. Now, the, the MacBook, especially the 13-inch, is no slouch in terms of weight. But if you were a fan of the 12-inch MacBook, which is now gone from the lineup, that uh, you would be looking at the air, probably.
1: Yeah, I really miss the MacBook. I mean, I haven't got one. I didn't get one. It was the machine I was saving up to get. I had to get a Mini for work purposes, but the one I lusted after was a MacBook. And uh, friends have them. I've used them. I think they're gorgeous, and they've gone away. Yeah. Yeah. I am genuinely I, mean, upset, I,
0: but there you go. I used to run into people in airports using them and I asked them what they thought of it. Oh, this is my only machine. I love it. It's fantastic. And, you know, they were buying them for all their employees. And if, if all you were doing was browsing and office and stuff like that, then you were great. But if you were trying to do more significant things, you might run into trouble you might benefit from a, and running into trouble is probably the wrong way of phrasing. You might benefit from a more powerful machine is a good way of thinking of it.
1: I can tell you that a friend was writing a book uh, in Microsoft Word on it, and she sent the book to her editor, who's working on PCs. He or she had, which made some track changes and sent it back. And once she'd got it back, the MacBook uh, was really struggling with it. And but I blame Microsoft for whatever. Yeah, the that's work an Office problem. Doing. Yes, but you are saying it's good for using Office, and there was a case where it wasn't. So I am never going to say it was a perfect machine. But what it did, I thought, was great. Yeah.
0: The reason why I never got one was because I was afraid that it would be underpowered for my needs. And I I say that knowing that I bring 15-inch MacBook Pros to their knees as well. You know, I'm pretty punishing on these things. But I do hope that we see its return in in future years. My thought is that if the ARM-powered MacBook comes to be, if we get A-series processors for Macs, that it may be possible to have that form factor come back.
1: I am actually genuinely crossing my fingers as you say that. Isn't that amazing that I care that much about a machine? I'm gonna uncross the fingers and be more sensible now, but I still yeah. hope cross something
0: now, else. we We talk about security vulnerabilities from time to time on this show, hmm. and there is a video conferencing software. There is a video conferencing software called Zoom, which is very popular. And and Zoom is popular because it does a number of things really well. They make it super easy to set up a video call, whether you're on mobile or or on a computer. They make it super easy to get the video part going, and they do transcription of the audio after the fact.
1: Why do I get the feeling there's a horrible butt coming?
0: Corporations love it. Users love
1: it. Everyone loves it. Yeah, you're just building up to an even bigger butt now, aren't you? Okay. Give it to me. I know of it. I've never used it. I I take it from the way you're saying it. There's a problem. Is it okay?
0: Well, so Safari on Mac required an extra click-through to launch the Zoom application to establish the call, and Zoom decided that this was bad for their users. Okay. Why would Safari do such a thing that would possibly be bad for their users? Well, Safari was doing this by, by throwing up an interactive uh, inter- dialogue box that says when a website attempts to launch an outside application. And they do this for security, right? Because you don't want websites randomly launching applications. That could be nefarious. That could be really bad, right? Okay. That makes sense. Well, Zoom prides themselves on a streamlined user interface. One click to join video meetings. So they developed a workaround. Do you know what the workaround was? I cannot actually imagine how you do it, but okay. How did they do it? As a part of their application, they created a locally running web server. Oh, okay. Well, so they use WebKit in their own app. That they they make their well, no, no, not WebKit. WebKit is a browser. That's a client. Apache or or Ngenix or or something like that is the server. The thing that actually serves up web pages. Okay. Okay. So they put a local web server on the host machine that is remaining active even when Zoom is uninstalled. And it can actually reinstall the client app without user interaction. And their local web server grants webcam access. So with Zoom, what the deal was was that they were running a local web server for the sole purpose of basically clicking OK to allow. Safari to open another application, namely Zoom, and then auto-launch your camera for that, which defeats the point of the security of making you user click yes. Now, initially, like I said, Zoom's response was to say that They didn't do anything wrong. They said, this is a workaround to a change introduced in Safari 12 that requires a user to confirm they want to start the Zoom client prior to joining every meeting. The local web server enables users to avoid this extra click before joining every meeting. We feel, Zoom, feels that this is a legitimate solution to a poor user experience problem, enabling our users to have a faster one-click join meetings. So this was Zoom saying, we think we're fixing Safari's problem, that the security thing's a bad idea, and we're not going to change it. That position did not last very long because Zoom issued an update this morning, and the update this morning has release notes that say, first of all, remove local web server. We're discontinuing the use of the local web server on Mac devices. Following the update, the local web server will be completely removed from the Zoom installation, and they've added an option to uninstall Zoom. Zoom users can now uninstall the Zoom desktop application and all of its components through the settings menu. Great. That should be the end, right? Well, it goes a little bit further than that because just after that happened, Apple pushed what I'm going to call the nuclear option, which is that Apple released a silent update for Mac users removing the vulnerable component in Zoom. So Apple told TechCrunch that the update, which is released, removes the hidden web server, which Zoom quietly installed on users' Macs doesn't require any interaction. Apple automatically deploys it and removes it automatically. So, first of all Zoom said they weren't going to do it. Then Zoom went ahead and acquiesced and created a patch that fixed the problem. And then Apple, who considered this basically malware because it is breaking security, wiped it out for everyone already. That's some huge sweeping actions taking place in the space of about a day. The, the upshot here is that I think Apple should get points for being aware and maintaining security and responding so quickly. I think Zoom should be rightly humiliated for having their initial position be, we think we're doing the right thing. We're trying to overcome a workaround in Safari that they think is breaking experience. I mean, I understand wanting to have a one-click video conferencing solution at the same time, there's a completely valid reason why we don't let local web server applications run and click OK to things without the user having interaction there. And and while it's good that Zoom wrapped this up and that Apple wrapped it up for them as well, It's it's leads me to worry about what else could be out there or what other applications could be doing things that they think are in our favor but are in fact not. So I think the upshot we have to take away from this is to be careful what software we install and to continually look for security audits for it, which is a big stupid responsibility in 2019. But it's sort of where we've arrived at. That is, if you, if you go ahead and do this, it, if you use Zoom at all, it can remotely automatically activate a Mac's webcam and connects to a meeting without user consent. And do you feel that's bad? Do you want your webcam remotely activated?
1: I don't really fancy seeing uh, people uh, seeing me pick my nose um, in the middle of some big conference that I've never heard of. Although, frankly, I've never heard of it. Yeah, nice to make a splash. Okay, It seems quite
0: obviously not good, and yet they did it. When Safari throws up security and and says, don't do this specifically because this is a bad idea, working around it might not be advisable. Now, this is not just a Safari problem necessarily, although that's what the workaround was conveyed for. If you have Zoom on on your Mac and you use Chrome or Firefox, you, you could still be vulnerable. Basically, you have to go ahead and in Zoom uncheck check a box labeled turn off my video when joining a meeting in order to avoid having your webcam remotely activated all the time of course that's not the default setting the default setting is you you want your this is that your video is enabled because they want you participating in video chats sure that makes sense uh okay so basically all of these things are bad burn it all down
1: yeah it does sound like the short-term solution is quit zoom find something else um yeah, but you can't
0: really do that because, like I said, a lot of corporations use this. And so, you know, if you're working for a large corporation and all of your meetings are scheduled through Zoom, guess what you're using? What are your options in terms of video conferencing software? You can use Zoom. Mm-hmm. You can use Skype for Business, which is a disaster on Wheelspot itself. You can use... Um, um, Group um, FaceTime for 30-odd people. Yeah, right. Uh, what else you got?
1: Click to meeting. Um, I've used that with video to me and audio from me backwards. I don't
0: remember if there's a video both ways. Yeah, I don't that's know. all right. It's, it's it's a limited set of solutions here, and and this is not great. No. So let's change news to something optimistic. Excellent. What have you got? What have you got? Well, we talk a lot about how Apple is focused on health. Yes. And of course, I'm focused on your health too. I hope that you're healthy. I worry a lot when I talk to you, but other than that, I think I'm fine. Yes. (laughs) Well, one of the things that we know, at least in the U.S., is that health insurance companies are generally not great to deal with. Bureaucracy and um, interfaces and interactions designed to stymie rather than make things smooth, That, that trying to deal with insurance is generally an exercise in frustration,
1: Okay, remember I'm in Britain with the NHS, so for at least a few more weeks, I haven't got to worry about any of this stuff. Yay! So, yeah, what's this? for a few more
0: weeks. Where is this? So,
1: when does this turn optimistic? When's this good?
0: Well, so there is a health insurance company in America called Anthem. Anthem has hired former Apple vice president Ted Goldstein, who is now in charge of Anthem's AI and health data projects. And this was reported by CNBC. And along with him, they've hired other machine learning researchers like Stefanos Giampanis, uh, Apple's health, Suarez Bakari, and Tony Trujillo-Vian, who was with Apple for 24 years. Berik uh, Bakani, once an Apple operations specialist, has been brought on as user interface designer, user experience designer. And so what's happening here is that Anthem is trying to recruit Apple talent. Okay. Now that can't comes, that, that, that push comes from Anish Kumar who's Anthem's vice president of commercial products, who spent six years as an Apple product manager in the 90s. And so it's it's not exactly certain what the impetus behind the hiring spree is, but Anthem projects, you know, they, they, they're they partnering with Doc.ai to detect allergy patterns. They're partnering with ActWise, a site for health plans to manage workers' benefits. And so typically health insurance is thought of as being old and stodgy and, and generally um, the people that make medicine more expensive and so seeing a company appear forward-thinking and doing machine learning can be both a matter of them trying to predict things to make cost savings for the company but also in terms of their user experience stuff probably make things better for their customers
1: how many apple people did you say did you say sorry so uh
0: so I've named one, two, three, four, five I've named six so far.
1: Right. So that doesn't sound like people who happened to work at Apple. That is a definite um uh positive choice uh, to find that, people who that's are. An effort. That's yeah. that is interesting. And that is optimistic. You're right. Thank you. Should we stop See. there? <laughs> is that where we should end?
0: Well, I mean I suppose we could. But uh, then I wouldn't get to talk to you about Captera. No. Okay. Talk to me about Captera. Captera. Right. So Captera is basically a, a sort of online app store, but they have over eight hundred and fifty thousand reviews on there. Let me say that again. They they're they're the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. And there are eight, over 850,000 reviews of products from real software users, so you can go through and discover everything you need to make an informed decision. There are over 700 specific categories of software, like project management or email marketing or, or even yoga studio management software. And This is important because it's not always easy to make the right choice in terms of software for your business. You know, you you were talking about difficulties with Office. Well, Office is a standard. Everyone uses Office, except when, of course, it breaks doing tracking changes like you were talking about. Mm. Another better example would be a friend of mine who is dealing with point of sale software and inventory management software. He's struggling right now because the point of sale that he's been using in the inventory management setup on the back end is not recording First of all, he's got a skew for every possible size, dimension, and colorway, even though some items are the same, just different colors. And, you know, I told him that makes great sense, except the because you've got to know if you need to reorder red versus reordering blue. You need to know which one's the higher seller kind of thing. But he's got a problem where some of them don't have cost of goods recorded, and so sometimes he's making a sale and something doesn't come out right. So that's partly down to whoever entered those details into inventory management, but also partly a part of of how good is that point-of-sale software. And he's been slogging through trying to figure out how to fix this thing and untangle this thing. If he'd used Capterra to begin with, he would have seen the reviews. No matter what kind of software your business needs, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Join the millions of people who use Capterra each month to find the right tools for their business. Visit capterra.com slash Insider. For free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Captera.com slash Apple Insider. Captera, that's C A P T E R R A dot com slash Apple Insider. Now, after that health initiative, we want to talk betas for a moment.
1: I was just thinking. Actually, you're talking about software, and really, what's going? I mean, there's lots of new releases and things going on, but it is the new uh, beta versions of things that are the most exciting, isn't it? So, what have you got? What can we? What can we? What can we safely install on all of our machines right now?
0: Well, so iOS 12.4 oh. is now on its sixth beta. WatchOS 5.3 is on its fifth beta, and macOS 10.14.6 is on its fourth developer beta. You thought I was going to talk about iOS 13. You thought I was going to talk about watchOS 6 and macOS Catalina.
1: Yes, I also thought I was going to listen to you about those. What's it like working on the team putting out iOS 12.4 when the cool kids are
0: on iOS 13 beta? It's got to be rough over there at lunchtime, is not it? Probably, but I think it's important because we know that iPhone 6 is not going to be supported for yes. iOS 13. Yes. You know, there there are a number of phones that are in wide distribution that are going to age out of support for the new operating system. So that 12.4 better be a good one. Okay, let's go ahead with a bag. Yes. I mean, if, if you're going to use that phone for another year, if you're going to use that phone for another two years, it had better be good, don't you think? One would hope. Yes, of course,
1: I am using an iPhone six, but as a camera security camera in my office so
0: so there there in this kind of a release it's a sort of a maintenance release there's no great focus on bug fixes you, 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 I'm, I'm sorry there's no great focus on new features instead you focus on bug fixes, you focus on performance improvements you you want to have something running smoothly. And it's entirely possible that this is not only the last round of betas for these versions, but also probably the last version to be released. Yes.
1: Yes. Mark this day you know, well. We, Dear we know diary that mark. iOS
0: 13 is is coming in the fall. Yeah. Right? So 12.4 is probably the last of the iOS 12 series.
1: It's funny how exciting iOS twelve seemed just a few months ago, and now it's all old hat. I want iOS thirteen. I am so fickle, really. This is this you is are it, frankly. yes, but I own my fickleness and will continue
0: to count the days until the the launch. It's particularly of iPad OS I, yeah i I think this is only a good thing. You know stability matters. There are tons of people who don't update all the time. And of course, I want to remind everyone to not update to betas, not use betas on on devices unless you're a developer, unless you have to absolutely be at the bleeding edge for for reasons, you know, just to have the newest thing to have the newest thing is very risky. For example, if you have an iOS 13 beta installed, turn off iCloud services on that thing, because if you don't and you have a mix of stable devices also accessing that iCloud, you will lose data. Hmm. There is no there is no guarantee about any of your data when you're using a beta, and putting things in the cloud as well when you're doing that is just risky.
1: Everybody tells you not to install beta software, but everybody who says it has installed beta software. So come on, fess up. Have you done any betas yourself? Not this season. Oh well, actually, I have. I have an old iMac, and I've put Catalina. On it, and frankly, it was a, even that was a mistake. It's working fine, but the iMac was in a bad state before and running incredibly slowly. It's now in a slower state, and the, the odd display faults. So when I had a, a severe problem with my Mac Mini, uh, I couldn't realistically go back on the iMac. So nothing bricked, nothing broke, and it was still uh, a problem. So I shouldn't. Did have done you do
0: it. that as an upgrade install, or did you do format and install? Upgrade install, because there's still some yeah. stuff on
1: the iMac that I can't uh, fit onto the Mac Mini yet. <laughs>
0: i i would have said if you were testing the beta to see how the beta goes on that machine to probably try and do a clean install because that will give you a better indication without having cruft
1: now really what i should have done is just buy a new iMac and installed it on there but for some strange reason i can't imagine why um i just used what i thought was the spare in the corner of the office i've got to say actually i mean apart from this time when it didn't go right the idea of having two Macs uh it's expensive, but it's really useful. I, I've struggled uh, while
0: my Mac Mini's been away. So what you're saying is that the proper response to having a product that fails is to buy another one. Clearly. That seems like an interesting way to reward failure. Ah, it's the
1: Windows response <laughs> I would have thought. There's a lot of history <laughs> in that. You want to upgrade your software? Buy a new computer. That's how it I
0: mean, it works. is the Android one. Your, your phone's not getting updates? Buy a fresh one. But <laughs> Do Android know. phones come with a, a
1: sell-by date? That's what that sounds like. How it would fit? Best before. Very
0: nearly. Okay. Very nearly. Yeah. All right. How do we get I into I want that to talk streaming yeah. services for a moment. Yes. What's going on Warner with Warner Media? Hmm? Warner Media warned us on Tuesday that they're revealing a streaming service called HBO Max. Oh. And they're they're going to offer HBO shows, but they're going to uh try and offer more than just hbo they're going to offer content from a variety of the warner brands so there's there's warner brothers there's new line there's dc entertainment cnn tnt tbs true tv cw all kinds of things fit in here and including of all things crunchyroll which is a sort of anime streaming service already okay so all of these things fit in there now critically for some people this new service is going to become the exclusive home of the 1990s sitcom Friends. Oh, is that where it went? Oh, okay. Netflix paid 80 million bucks to keep the show through 2019, but those rights transfer over in spring 2020.
1: And Apple tried to buy it uh, before. I didn't realize...
0: Well, because Warner
1: made it, the rights have reverted to them. Okay.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, though, I read an announcement this morning that Netflix is keeping Friends for Israel. And I was asked, "How is that possible?" And I said, "Well, licensing for some regions is significantly less than licensing for all regions." Yeah, contract contracts. Yeah, also. You know, and especially yeah. if if HBO Max isn't launching in Israel, then it makes sense to have something and collect. Uh, you know,
1: I think it's interesting that they're leveraging the name HBO because even in the UK, we know HBO. We don't have HBO, but we see the programs from it and they're generally. Very good. So they're they're going with the star name for it. Um, Am I right that HBO is available on Apple TV at the moment in America by itself? And uh, does this mean we might lose that? You might lose that.
0: Well, it is, but I don't know that we'll necessarily lose that. It's it's a good question. Um, I mean, HBO Max is on there. And of course, Apple TV means a couple of things, right? If we say the HBO service is on Apple TV and you can subscribe to it through your Apple TV, that's one thing. To say, is it also in the TV app? Will it appear as a TV channel in the TV app? And currently, the HP programming does. Right. So maybe that will
1: change, but no. Actually, I should say we've disagreed before about the TV app. I've loathed it, and you've been a fan. I have recently discovered that in the UK, it's far easier to watch ITV programs through Apple's TV app than it is through ITV's own Apple TV app, if you can follow all of these. See, words. now you're getting it. No, but it's still doing the thing of recommending the episode before last, you know, so that bug is still there for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, keep trying. It's definitely much easier as an interface to navigate than trying to to navigate whatever ITV have come up with this week. (laughs) Okay. You know, so this is going to be a weird set of competition starting in the spring, right? We've got the Apple TV channels, Apple TV Plus. We've got Netflix. Disney Plus is gonna launch, and the question is, is Disney Plus gonna eat up a lot of Netflix? Mm. There's Amazon Prime Video. There's Hulu.
1: Yeah, Hulu. And now
0: we're gonna get this HBO thing in the mix. So the question is, which of these streaming services lives, which ones die, which ones become popular, which ones become unpopular? And so- the oh, the answer's easy. You know, mentally, mentally I've been setting up sort of a, a, a list of which where, where I think things rank.
1: There's no need, Hulu wins. What <laughs> Hulu is the best because Hulu? I'm sorry, I'm
0: choking over here.
1: Hulu has got Veronica Mars. What more could you possibly want? A good interface
0: to access it.
1: Okay, I am actually I have a, a US iTunes account and I am putting gift card monies into it with the just on the hope that Hulu will release Veronica Mars onto iTunes US because so far they don't have a UK distribution deal for it my next alternative is fly to America to watch the show. So, you know, I'm very pro Hulu at the
0: moment. Why, why aren't you using a VPN?
1: Um, I don't, I don't have a Hulu subscription. I'm assuming I can't get one. Netflix geo locks,
0: even through a VPN.
1: Surely Hulu does as
0: well. Uh, all, all of those things are exercises for another time to explore. You know, I, I don't want to actively recommend that people defeat Geolock, although I think that geo geographical restrictions are silly. Um Yeah, but they're there for reasons, so I understand If you're paying the subscription, then you have you, you're paying the the residuals to those people anyway. So there's no point in geolocking.
1: Mm, I think it's a finer
0: uh issue than that. And
1: and I have no problem with flying to America to watch A six-part
0: TV show, no problem with that at all. Good, you're welcome. (laughs) Come on over. Have you got Hulu? I have. We'll make an evening. Cool. All right, great.
1: Make sure you caught up with the previous seasons of Veronica Mars because I don't want to be stopping in the ad break. Ad breaks. Listen to me. I don't want to be stopping to be and explaining things.
0: First of all, my Hulu only has ads at the beginning and end of the shows. There aren't breaks. Okay. So there's that. Yes, that's right. When you buy the uh, the ad-free version of hulu you still get adverts at the beginnings and ends of shows (laughs) okay
1: what a world we live in remember when america had three networks and we had
0: four and that seems like prehistory i i recall Mm. i do well this brings us to the end is there anything else you'd like to discuss before i completely shut it down I could go on quite a bit more about
1: Veronica Mars, but you're looking at me like, uh, well, I can tell you're looking at me like that's probably not what you had in mind. So no, uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. What did you call me at the start? All Was right. it Wilford or Wolf? Willie Wil, Wil, something. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's fine as well. He, he says hello. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Apple Insider podcast. Next week, when Wilford there is moonlighting as a private investigator uh, under the tutelage of his detective father, we'll be back as he solves different standalone mysteries.
1: I don't think of a mystery I'd like to solve right now, but okay, yes, till next
0: week. (laughs) Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, Obviously flying to America, uh, but also probably all the way there on Twitter at uh, WGallagher.
0: Fantastic. I'm Victor Marks. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much.